The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Today we're making experiences. We are in the presence of the experience maker. Let's make some amazing experiences. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Dan Gingas. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Really looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. I'm Neil Toff, co-host, co-creator of Fireside Chats Without the Fires, joined by my co-host, co-creator extraordinaire, Paul. Let's hear you. Assume you're out there. I am. Here I am. Hello, Neil. Hello, Dan. Thank you very much for joining us. I am, as Neil would say, I am buzzing about today. This is going to be uh, a podcast off the charts. I'm already excited. So let's no pressure, Dan. Let's, let's make some experiences with Dan and let's uh, share Dan's experiences with our audience because we have a, uh, an expert, an authoritarian, well, not an authoritarian, but a, someone who's got a lot of experience, real world experience in the customer experience world. Um, again, Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Today is Friday, September 18th. By the way, it's amazing. September is flying by. Um, but it is, it is a, uh, a sensational way to begin to wind the week down because um, we got a great, great show planned here. Topic of the day is, what have we learned from the pandemic in terms of customer experience? By the way, audience, you, you've heard me before. I try to stay away from talking about COVID and work from home and the C word and coronavirus. But this topic is obviously relevant for us. And we have an expert. Let's hear from him what he's learned, what he has to share about specifically that. Dan, well, what hey there. have we learned? Uh, well, we've actually learned a ton, Neil and Paul. And, you know, obviously, uh, it, I, I can't start without saying that uh, you, you can't underestimate the negative impact that coronavirus has had and that uh, all over the world and to people's health and livelihood and uh, jobs. But one interesting positive outcome from it has been that companies have been forced to focus on customer experience more than ever. And that's really raised the bar. And for people that like me that have been talking about customer experience for a number of years now, it's actually been really cool to see. There's been a lot of innovation. There's been a lot of uh, changing of policies and uh, eliminating customer pain points and creating uh, uh, consistency and uh, convenience and all the things that we look for in customer experience. So it's an interesting result, but I think it's something that will stick around long after the pandemic because we know that for years, customer expectations have been rising, but unfortunately companies experiences have not been meeting those expectations. And I, and I think recently that has, uh, that, that band has narrowed a little bit. And that's one of the things that, uh, is a positive outcome. So some companies would raise their hand and, or maybe even pound their chest and say, yeah, we figured this out. We're off on a great experience. We have our, our, our agents working from home. And then the room goes silent. Are we talking about that? That's innovation or what are the real innovations? Cause I, by the way, I think you can tell my opinion. I think that's BS. I don't, I think that's a, it was a necessary evil. It had to be done. It's still going on. It's working. But tell us a little bit more, let's get a little more specific about, about some, some of those innovations that you've seen. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think what you're really talking about there is employee experience. And a long-held mantra in customer experience is that 
happy employees equal happy customers. And so employee experience has also become absolutely critical in the middle of a pandemic. And so from that perspective, I do think companies have learned, hey, we can do this remote thing. Uh, I've worked for companies that we're a hundred percent. We're never going remote. We're never working from home. We don't even like casual Fridays. Like you do it this way or you don't do it at all. And those companies, once they were forced into it, realized that a, they could do it. B employees are actually more effective. Most of them from home and, and getting more work done. I had a manager tell me that she is spending more time with her team now than she ever did when they were in the same building together. So there's a lot of positives around it and employees are happy to not have to commute and uh, you know, not have to spend money on dry cleaning bills. And there's all sorts of things that make the experience better for employees. But no, I'm actually really talking about the flip side of it, which is uh, how customers are perceiving it. Now, again, you have to have employees that are happy in order for them to deliver a good experience. You can't ask a miserable employee to deliver a great experience to a customer. But uh, what companies have started doing is finding new ways of doing business that before were not even considered. Think about something that has now become part of the nomenclature, curbside pickup. I'm actually a guy that likes grocery shopping, but you know what? I save an hour and a half now every weekend by doing curbside pickup because I don't have to go in the store. You can pretty much bet that when this pandemic is over, I'm going to really still want to be doing curbside pickup. And so that's one of those innovative changes that I think will continue post pandemic. Now, the first few weeks that I did curbside pickup, it was terrible. They were out of stock of a lot of stuff. They got my order wrong. It was a miserable experience. And luckily, I, like most customers, were sympathetic over the, in the first few weeks of the pandemic, right? Everybody was scrambling. We all knew it. And so customers kind of gave companies a break. But hey, now we're six months into this thing. And so customer expectations are, you better have figured this out already. And if I order my groceries curbside pickup, I expect the order to be right. That's not a huge expectation. Uh, and so I think that's an example. You also have companies that obviously have started, have, have completely pivoted and shifted their businesses either out of necessity um, or because out of, out of a sense of doing good. So you have um, <clears throat> spirits and alcohol companies that are making hand sanitizer. You have automobile companies that are making ventilators. You have apparel companies that are making masks. And I think that's terrific. I think it's such a great uh, look for the brand that, hey, when the chips are down and when times are tough, you can count on us. And you compare that to some of the other companies that are saying to people, we're here for you but are not actually doing anything to be here for us. They're just telling us that. And, and I, I look, look no further than, uh, you know, your favorite TV show. And for a while, they finally disappeared. But all these television commercials with the same sad piano music and, you know, that, that we're saying, we're here for you. Great. What are you doing for me? Uh, and so I'm, I've been happy to see a lot of the uh, companies. I'll give you a couple specific examples if you like specific Absolutely. ones. Um, when the pandemic first started, we all got hundreds of emails from pretty much every company that ever had our email address. And it reminded me a lot of when the privacy laws changed in Europe a couple of years ago. We got all those privacy policy emails in our inbox. And pretty much every one of these emails sounded the same. They 
were all telling us about their enhanced cleaning procedures. It was never improved or whatever. It was always enhanced. They were enhanced cleaning procedures. And then every one of them directed us to the same, at least in the United States, Paul, to the same CDC Centers for Disease Control website. And it was like every company in the world decided that they had to check the same box. And then once they checked it, they could move on to doing things as normal. So very early on, I got an email from Charles Schwab. And uh, Charles Schwab is a brokerage firm. And Charles Schwab's email didn't say anything about enhanced cleaning procedures, and it didn't direct me to the CDC website. Instead, it said, we know that you must be concerned about a volatile stock market. So we want to share with you all the features and benefits that we have that can help you through these tumultuous times. And I was like, man, that's exactly what I wanted to hear from my brokerage firm right now, right? I don't care whether they're enhancing their cleaning procedures, and I sure as heck don't need another link to the same website. But that was actually really helpful information, and it made me feel, it gave me confidence that I was working with the right brokerage firm, you know, the the one for me. Uh, So it's amazing, and yet they didn't really do anything other than just shift the conversation a little bit. They didn't add any real benefits. They just summarized what was already there, but in a way that showed empathy and understanding for the situation that I was in. The last thing I'll just say on that topic is empathy is a core tenet of customer experience. And because everyone in the world right now is going through the same thing, if you can't show empathy right now, I don't have a whole lot of hope that you're ever going to be able to show it because we know exactly what our customers are going through right now. We're going through the same thing. So I love the examples you gave about curbside pickup. Um, just prior to, to jumping on, the, on today's session with you, Paul and I were talking and I gave him an example about a purchase I made recently at Target. So I use curbside pickup. I've gone in the store, by the way, during COVID. It's, it's really clean. It's nice. It feels like they check the boxes. I feel safe and secure. Wonderful. But if I don't have to go in, I don't want to go in. So I, I, I go I, and I have an app on my phone, digital experience, click, 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 pay, submit. And in a short period of time, my order is ready. By the way, I get to tell them when I'm on my way. And then I get to tell them when I'm there. And what's amazing is that without fail, minutes, not even, sorry, not even minutes, a minute or two at best, at most, once I get there and tell them I'm here, they're out with my bags without a single error, not an error, nice smiley face for the person that brings out the bags, and I'm on my way, safe and secure, wonderful, and what I'm getting at is, and by the way, another great example is Instacart, right? So many of us are now ordering groceries through Instacart or through something similar. We get our groceries, and, and, and it's wonderful. It seems to me that companies understand the importance of the app pushing people into a, I, I, maybe I'll call it self-service component or environment where they're uh, picking what they want in a controlled environment, transact, done, and any customer service issues are also handled within that digital environment. You go back into the app, you go back into Amazon, you go back into Instacart. If you had a problem with your order, you can file for, a, you know, request a return, request a callback, all of those things. It seems to me that there's a, been a very big digital push as a result of COVID. Are you seeing that as well? Um, and is that going to be sustainable, you know, call it post-COVID or whenever we get out of this thing and, and, and move into the next phase or phases of, of life? For sure. I mean, the move to digital has been 
unbelievably fast. And I've talked to lots of companies that had, you know, three to five year plans that got executed in three to five weeks because all of a sudden it became a necessity. And it was interesting when you were describing that target experience and how it was all based on the app, you, you finally said it, but I was thinking Amazon. And I was like, well, why weren't they there to begin with? That's my Amazon experience. And a lot of people, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to your question in a second, but I just wanna point out, a lot of people say, are negative towards Amazon because they think that Amazon has somehow done something wrong. They've hurt mom and pop shops or they've, you know, made companies like Toys R Us close down. I don't think they've done any of that because I think the companies that close down like a Toys R Us, you could do an entire case study on why Toys R Us closed. And it is not because of Amazon. It's because the store that I went to when I was a kid many years ago was exactly the same store in 2019 before they closed. They never into, they never innovated. They never changed it. It was always just products on a shelf. Compare that to, say, the Lego store where kids go and they play and they touch and they experience and it's a destination. And no wonder those stores sell almost as much as Apple stores, right, per, per square foot. They're so, they're so profitable. So um, you mentioned technology, though, and absolutely the move to digital has been fast and furious, and it's absolutely here to stay. I've read studies that are showing that even the most anti-digital, even the oldest generations that still really want to get on the telephone are learning how to use digital and are likely to stick afterwards. And so I think this is all good because the digital experience generally is a better experience. It can be uh, updated a lot easier than say the physical store experience. Uh, and so I think this is very positive and it is absolutely a move that is not going away. So one thing that Paul and I have talked about uh, on other shows and we talk about it amongst each other and, and one that's certainly out there and I've been on the record and I've gotten pushed hard on this is the topic of automation. So in this push to digital environments, maybe partly self-serve or partly just the, the, the concept of making things more efficient, uh, less time-consuming, more resolution-based. I am of the belief that we need to start to very quickly incorporate more and more automation tools, some of those which include a chatbot, a voice bot, some level of intelligence so that rather than putting the customer on hold or making them wait in a chat queue for 45 minutes, um, and, and maybe even have not always a great experience because that's sometimes what happens with live agents. Live agents don't always give great experiences. And by the way, I'm the owner and operator of a live agent contact center and Paul manages live agent teams. And we all know that live agents are, can, are, are subjective, right? The experience goes up and down and depends on, like you said before, the employee experience. Anyway, if you can remove some of that subjectivity and reduce the wait times and get to at least the same level of resolution uh, than you have that you, than you currently have. Doesn't it make sense? And don't you have to incorporate automation into your offering to your customers? So I feel like Neil. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats without the fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.